the Protect Your Neck Podcast. UFC Tampa Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Savages. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysts is work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com. And on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight, because I'm recording it in the wee hours of Thursday night. Technically Friday now, because midnight has recently passed. I have hit record. There are uh, 14 fucking fights to break down on UFC Tampa's what we'll be breaking down today. Check the timestamps. I don't mean to go uh, too long because, um, hey, at least the, the trade-off of me being a little later. I've been good about Thursdays. Give me credit where credit's due, folks, but gave me an extra episode. We did the UFC 243 recap, which means I don't got to put you through that ranting and raving today. Because uh, thank you, and I should maybe say more apologies to those of you who listened to it. Because again, that was more Dan Tom a bit, you know, uh, ranted on uh, ranted on some things. But uh, hopefully the points did come across because I don't feel that they they did. But there is a an awesome interview and shout that kind of ties that up, and really will be the only thing I will be touching back on that, and we will be pushing all forward. I'm not even really going to touch on Bellator 230. In fact, I'm going to let you know Bellator 230 is happening in Italy. In Italy, wow. That was a tongue twister. See why I'm avoiding that one. There's the preview for that. See, we're going to be moving it snippy. And that was a song, by the way. Thank you. That was uh, Strawberry 23 by Brothers Johnson. Of course, that was uh, from the Jackie Brown soundtrack. Uh, if you recognize that jam, that's when... Um, oh, I love that scene when Ordell Robbie uh, gets Beaumont uh, to go in the trunk. Uh, he he uh, calls in a favor. And, uh, yeah, so as, as you notice, aside from the, well, not really Quentin Tarantino, is Robert Rodriguez, technically, joint there from Dust Till Dawn, the soundtrack that usually accommodates this show. A lot of, a lot of Tarantino universe stuff lately, and, um, as you can see why, the article I was teasing dropped this week, MMA Fiction, crossing into Quentin Tarantino's universe, up at MMAJunkie.com. Sorry, I've been staying away from the booze here, and... Then, you know, what happens? Uh, out of nowhere, Dan Tom would never, never like soda. Um, I have this weird Coke thing. So then, like, I did the girl thing where I'm like, okay, I'll just I'll pick up the mini Cokes, you know, because they're just so cute and the calories are low. Um, <laughs> boy, yeah, you could tell that uh, Dan Tom doesn't drink soda and has been off the caffeine for a minute because uh, these Cokes have got me wired. Um, the fuck was I talking about? MMA fiction. Yeah, so, I mean, as, as you could tell, sometimes it happens, right? When you listen to a podcast, um, like comedians, and their, their their special comes out. And it's not that the special's not good, but you're like, oh, I, I've i heard him talk about this a billion times. It would make sense that he would make a piece out of this, right? Um, Rogan, for example, or Bill Burr. I'm a big Bill Burr fan, but, like, it's just special was, 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 was great. You should go watch it on Netflix. But it didn't do much for me. It was just... You know, because it was just kind of angry Bill Burr and a lot of the stuff I listened to his podcast. So, as you can tell by this podcast. Um, so, I mean, it wasn't like there wasn't a lot that was a surprise. So, you, you might have gotten that effect. 
uh, because I have talked about these. I know I did that top five that kind of fell apart um, with my man Jordan uh, about the uh, characters. And as I was doing that with Jordan behind peeling back the curtain and, and DMs, I was like, hey, man, I don't want to put any more stress on this, but like, since you're already doing your top five, we're already doing top five Tarantino characters for fun. Like, you want to do an added bonus and like do their correlating characters in the MMA universe? Meaning, like, for example, like Django, like Nate Diaz, right? You know, the man sticking it to him and their loved ones and yada, yada. And, uh, yeah, that, that was the first page. Spoiler alert there. I won't give the rest away in case you haven't checked it out. Go check it out. But um, I essentially... Excuse me. The uh, the burps is there. I'm trying to hold down again. I'm not much of a soda person, so it's like... It's like a new being to me. It's crazy. Um, but I essentially use the format of a fantasy cast to kind of convey the similarities of... Uh, our, uh, Tarantino's universe and MMA's, and that may sound crazy, but go read it. It'll surprise you because the the comments I got from it. I'm gonna try to focus on the good before I get hung up on the negative here. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> all the comments are are good and, and seem to have done what I wanted it to do. But it just sucks because it came out the same time, and I'm not hating on my colleagues or Ariel or people that are on this beat. Or people that dig the gossip. You're going to be into what you're into. But fuck do I hate gossip. Obviously that's why I'm an analyst. Before I was an analyst. I was a competitor. And for all that. And even though with my health issues. I still like to consider myself a martial artist. Do not care for the gossip shit. And uh, especially just. Just un, you know. Just this unverified shit stream. That just kind of takes over. And uh. And yeah, and uh, Ariel tweets out that stuff and sends everybody chasing their goddamn tails. And it sucks because it really fucks with the fighters. And don't get me wrong, like, we'll get to the, the breakdown. Um, and I did kind of address it because I had to go rewrite that as well. Thank you very much, Ariel, and your tweet. <laughs> uh, I'm not trying to come at that guy, but um, let's just say I understand why his popularity is dwindled amongst colleagues, fighters, fans. Pretty much everybody, um, and so it, I really hope that it wasn't. I really hope that there were real sources to this because, it, but it, it sure probably were because the thing is, and shout out to my man Aaron uh, who had me on this Periscope. Aaron Bronstetter, of course, TSN MMA show, one of the few MMA podcasts I listen to, to, and one of the very few MMA podcasts I will allow myself to listen to if it comes up before I record this here show. Unlike, for example, Heavy Hands, I'm just going to knock out the shout now. Uh, Phil McKenzie, it was like an episode like I was catching up on from like last week or the week before, but he gave me a nice shout there, and that was just too kind. Uh, really enjoy listening to Phil and Connor Breakdown Fights. You should too if you're living under a rock and haven't been listening to Heavy Hands, but on the TSN MMA show, Aaron Bronstetter, he was saying something along the lines of, um, what the fuck was he saying? We're talking about the weight. Cut. You want? Oh yeah, that these things are are normal. You know, they are. Uh, granted, they they usually aren't normal for a main event. They're usually normal in the sense of like, what was it like? Sam Stout and fucking uh, KJ Noons or something. They just decided to meet like a catchway. I think Pearson and um, Stam Stout maybe did it as well or something. I don't know. But you, you get what I'm saying. Like sometimes fighters will do that, and that's not normal, uh, abnormal. Or if, if fighter is having trouble, they'll try to get ahead of it. They'll adjust the catchway. Uh, you know. Um, yeah, I guess all that's normal, but is it, you know, very criticizable for a main event because you're contracted? Like, yeah, I also get that criticism, too. Does Joanna come off, Joanna come off, you know, uh, poorly? 
especially if you are kind of following that narrative of just where her ego kind of spinning her out of control and serving her really well when she was that, you know, she was just that snowball gaining momentum and eating up every straw weight she ran over and the snowball got bigger, right? But after that snowball dispersed, she's had a hard time putting her, that ego is kind of almost made it hard harder for her, it seems like, if you're, if you're looking from an outsider perspective, you know? Um, well, I guess we'll, we'll get into that breakdown as it comes. But, yeah, it just... Um, yeah, regardless of how bad, I guess what I'm just trying to say is regardless of how bad she may be coming off and regardless of how bad she might not be helping her case, I still sympathize because at the end of the day, you know, you can hear the thing she says, uh, don't stress me out, don't like, it's, she has that kind of broken English, right? But what essentially is, you know, I, I, I'm trying to remember this for the fucking life of me, there's just so many goddamn cards now, um, we can't remember anything. Um, but um, there was a fighter just talking about that and they are panicking um, about their weight cut. And I think they even made weight, but like they're panicking like weeks out before they even needed to. Um, and it sounds crazy, but stress will make you hang on to weight. So you don't want to stress. And that's why she was really just, you know, just the fact bringing it up, there probably was a problem. Um, but, you know, they decide they probably decided to push through or whatever. Then it gets brought up, you know, catches her by surprise. And she's, of course, going to try to play dumb because she doesn't want to show weakness. Um, and, uh, and, and, and stress out, which is going to make the weight, you know, cause even on a good quote unquote, good weight cut was, were, were terrible for Ioana, right? I mean, so this was going to be a narrative either way. So I don't, I don't think, you know, anybody was trying to put this out, um, to surprise anybody. I, my, my speculation is someone was trying to put this out to get back at, you know, this ongoing narrative of them. I was poking at the organization. So anyways, that's fucking beyond my fucking pay grade. And I give a shit, even if it does affect my work uh, th that I'm really proud of. Um, so anyways, it's just, it's just really annoying. And then like, not even just that, it gets kind of swallowed up. The MMA fiction article that I'm really proud of. You want to go check it out, MMA Junkie. And then when you go to MMA Junkie, what you do is like aggregating, you know, shares and whatnot. So you can see. And, it, and so it's, it's not like the, yeah. It's kind of a, a rough form of analytics. Uh, Y'all don't have to have access to our backdoor analytics to see what's doing well in a certain sense, I guess, if that makes sense. You, if you're familiar with the homepage, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, like, then it's like shit like, you know, Justin Gaethje comments on Dan Hooker's call out of Dustin Poirier. Like, really? Three fucking hens bickering at each other? Like, this is what the fucking... That, that's what's getting the most shares and the most... Like, and that's what's annoying, too, so... For as much as everybody wants to come at the media, or even particularly my site, when you know, I'm saying click for accusations of clickbait or Twitter beef write-ups and bullshit, like for one, I don't like the blanketing of blame. You know, for example, I gave a shout out to the UFC. I don't like to tag people, but I did, and I did it to, to UFC production, not to the UFC, but to UFC production, because there's plenty of really good people that work for the UFC, that they're, they're not the ones doing these uh, matchmaker uh, deals. They're not Dana. They're not making these decisions. Um, I don't think it's fair for them to deserve our ire. They're like some of the most hardest work. You know, we complain about the schedule. People like me complain about the schedule. Dude, they're making that engine work. It's a lot of good people making that engine work. It's not fair to blame them, just like it's not fair to blame all of media, uh, especially for certain things, right, when we're talking about it. Um, and by that same token, it's also really annoying. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. You guys are awesome. So, again, I apologize if I'm coming off angry towards you. I don't want to give that impression of I'm beating my audience down. I don't want to be that guy. But, like, 
it's it's um so apologies if it's coming off that way y- y- y'all are the truth but it, it's just annoying that like when people not only you know blaming in blanket statements but not realizing their symbiotic part of the circle in other words voting with your dollars you know politics are corrupt sure but you there's still certain things you can vote with your dollars on it's one of the few things you can vote with and that's the same thing with your clicks so it's it's just it's really crappy that some um, unsubstantiated tweet and report can come out and or some write up on some gossip on some call out all trumps like you know one of the more unique articles to come out and and not trying to pat myself on the back of me I'm just saying like forget it that it's me forget even what the article's about I'm just saying in theory you you want media to do new things you want media to branch out you want media to be creative you want all these things yet y'all don't click on it y'all y'all don't share on it Y'all share the, the, the bullshit, click on the bullshit, or when you share something, it's usually something uh, commenting on the bullshit, which is therefore giving the bullshit more clicks, all while you're doing some probably some quote tweet that's like sticking it to my site or something or some other media site or media member. You know what I'm saying? So essentially you're just fueling the clicks the wrong way while just putting more negativity into the fucking sphere. Like Twitter doesn't already have enough for the world, but hey, who am I? Um, so it's just really, it's just kind of disheartening, you know, um, it's like, you know, MMA junkie goes out on a limb to hire a fucking weirdo like me, right? <laughs> I, uh, I work my ass off, uh, build up enough clout to pitch certain things. I'm lucky enough to have some cool editors and some cool colleagues who will support my work and will go to bat for me and we get these things cleared and we do them and y'all want to click on the fucking call out shit. <sighs> man. Anyways, we don't got much time to dwell because it never stops. That's right. I'm I, 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 I'm Andy Dufresne. I got to get back out of the hole. Well, you know, the UFC is like the warden. It never stops. That's what I feel like anyways. I feel like Dana White is the warden. When I see those it's Fight Week tweets, I want to snap the neck of a newborn rabbit. That's how upset those Fight Week tweets. It's Fight Week. It's always Fight Week. I'm sorry, folks. With the Contender Series, which is awesome. I love my job. Don't get me wrong, but... Dan Tom here has not had a UFC free week probably since spring because the Contender Series, I think, blanketed it over the two, the last two UFC free weeks of the schedule. That's not including all these Bellator weekends, which are all seemingly like Bell. It's like Bellator only does double double weekends for, for the most part these days. It feels like two as well, but I'm not complaining. That's where it stops, but yeah. Let's move on, folks. Um, it, it, there's plenty of time to get to that article. It's 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 got it's kind of evergreen, but really, it, it, you can it it's it's all apropos up until UFC 244. So check it out if you can. Give it a share. Shameless plug. I'll give you um, you know the the retweets and shares too, as you've seen. Because again, I've already got. I don't want to focus on the negative. There's been plenty of love for it. Um, so I'd appreciate it if y'all give me some feedback, uh, even if you don't like it. Uh, but only only share it if you like it. Only share it if you like it. All right, folks, uh, I already got those shout-outs done. We already covered Bellator 230, which was not covering at all, and that is fine. And uh, I just want to give a quick shout-out to Submission Radio, who get, always does great work. And if you've been living under a rock for whatever reason, if not, uh, subscribe to Submission Radio, do so. They had a really good interview, as they always do, um, but they had a really good one with Eugene Behrman, uh, Israel Adesanya's coach. And all, all over the place last time, but essentially I was just basically saying that um, – well, I'll let, you know, I'll summarize how Eugene said it because this guy seems like a really smart dude. I really, he seems like my kind of, uh, my kind of dude, real old school and shit. Um, 
and uh, it seems like he's really um, it's, it's he's in good hands. Like if they got if like I, I really like what he said. Like if uh, you know, is he ever want the John Jones ride? He wouldn't be welcome to train there. He wouldn't put up with that that ish. And something I didn't say in the podcast is you know I was saying you know I was talking about the difference of personalities. And even though you know Izzy is brash and although confident, he is confident, and that shouldn't be taken as a negative. We talked about that. Um, I didn't, you know, I kind of alluded to like him going down the John Jones road, which I didn't mean to. I, I mean, I did allude to it because now is that time. But in my opinion, I think Izzy is, is, is I want to believe he is an outlier. I, I, of course, I'm always disappointed when it comes to personalities or egos in the sport at one point or another with almost everybody, right? All of us. Okay. But I, I, I want to be an optimist here, man. I do think he's special, and I think he can. He can, you know. Of course, it'll still apply. He is the only person that can really get in his own way at this point. But at the same time, I don't think he he will fall through the same pitfalls. Will there be pitfalls and challenges? Of course, those will reveal themselves uh, in the future. I don't think they will be the same as John Jones's for what that's worth, uh, or or you know, I hope not as as bad as Connor's. Um. But uh, the last thing as well that kind of, in case I didn't tie it up in my message that I was really trying to get across, Eugene Eugene says it uh, the best where it was, you know, I felt bad because I felt like I was overdoing the devil's advocate because there there's a lot of things that I like. I don't want to say that I completely dislike Izzy's personality. I was just trying to explain the dichotomy between Rob and Izzy. And Eugene, Izzy's own coach, said, you know, I actually really like Rob. Like, not just as a fighter, it's like his personality. He goes... His personality is more on my kind of level. Like, he's more kind of the fighter that I would want than an Izzy, that I would gravitate more, like, 10 times out of 10. And this is like a father-son, you know, he's saying that about his own his own student. You know what I'm saying? So if, if Eugene Behrman can separate that, obviously he still loves and supports Izzy. He's team Izzy, right? But, but kind of to my point last week with the recap is you don't have to... That doesn't mean you have to like everything. It's okay to not like this or that and still support, love, appreciate, and all that, all that good stuff. So hopefully that made sense. All right, and, and now we're going to go on to the breakdown. 1825. A little longer than I thought. Again, timestamps as per usual, folks, as, as normal. All's timestamp. We get to the breakdown and uh, pick some plays at the very end. So it's a big card, so let, let's get to this beast, shall we? Um, the odds probably already timed out as they did. UFC Tampa, UFC on ESPN plus 19, UFC Fight Night 161, UFC Fight Night and Jacek versus Watterson. Do we have enough names? Never. Not enough names. Not enough cards. It never stops, motherfuckers. It never stops. I sip my Coke. Oh. Oh, it burns so good. Oh, man. Oh. I'm glad my parents didn't buy soda and deprive me as a kid, man. Because, um... Shit could be addicting, huh? Oh boy! Oh boy, this is great. Uh, let's let's get to it. Uh, main event, top to bottom, as we usually do it. Especially since we were already talking about the weight stuff. You want to J chick minus three thirty five. Michelle Waterson plus two seventy five. Um, the line was trending up toward a four to one, which is in, which was way too wide for me. It's still too wide for me to play. And especially with stuff that, again, we would already going to, you know, especially if you're smart or in the loop, you would have already been kind of a little bit cautious from a wide line, A. And you want us noted weight issues, B. But you got people out here stirring the pot. Um, 
Yeah, it, it, it definitely uh, sh shakes it up. So we've seen some money come back in, then we've seen the line readjust a bit. I expect it to not move too, to do that, but then ultimately not move too far from where it's at in closing time. Uh, breakdowns up at MMA Junkie, essentially taking you on J-Check. Um, Watterson is, is beefed up, has gotten better with her wrestling, but I don't think it'll be enough, even because uh, she, she does most of it... Uh, either from the cage or she'll do like the head and arm and all the trip stuff that really is a real low percentage on, on JJ. Um, you really got to catch her just right as well as overpower her. Uh, if you're going to do anything from the clinch, like Shevchenko did, who, by the way, that five or whatever takedown she scored is probably the only reason why in JJ's takedown defense is as low as 80%, which is probably still higher than most in her division, which is pretty crazy. Um, and as far as the striking goes, Watterson can do some damage there if she catches her with a head kick. You know, Joanna, win or lose, is not beyond getting rocked. Problem is, the girls that are rocked her, you be like, oh, well, some of them were, like, not that good, like Carolina, which I love Carolina, but let's be honest, like, she got figured out, right? But some were super technical, like Rose, and the thing was, Rose is kind of a league of her own. She's kind of that outlier there. Um, where, uh, you know... The length, educated jab, uh, the jab hook, uh, how, how those kind of parlays she was doing, those uh, real uh, Canelo-esque like, tricks off her left hand. Uh, she's in a league of her own. But then when you look at like the girls who were able to kind of just, you know, hit her and make contact were like Jessica Andrade, Karolina Kovalkiewicz. More brawlers that just don't mind getting hit for better or worse. And obviously that ends up being for worse in the long run for both of them, right? Um, and what do all three of those have in common, even though two of them are more brawl come forward and one's more technical, they were all in boxing range. And even though Watterson has kind of improved everywhere, boxing range is still that range where, uh, again, she's improved everywhere, but if you have to point to one thing, it's probably her weakest, right? She's, she got her kicks from her karate days and she, with the Muay Thai, she's good in the clinch and it made her kicks even better because she could switch stance and delegate. You know, she goes like a Muay Thai leg kicks from Orthodox, and she goes more lead leg side kicks karate style from Southpaw, which I get. That's kind of my natural delineation, too, so I, I can appreciate that with Michelle. Mom champ! Yeah! Uh, mom champ! Uh, you know, and, and, and then in the clinch, you know, she does the knees and elbows really well. But, but boxing range, I would say, probably not the strongest on paper. Uh... And uh, both of them have a susceptibility, well, you know, actually to lefts, to be honest, more so, if anything. But um, Waterson to right hands. So if the jab starts landing on Waterson, look for that right hand to land, uh, especially if she's, uh, you know, trying to uh, shake up JJ with uh, leg kick targets by switching her stance. I'm hoping JJ just goes, okay, fine, switch all your leg for the leg kicks. I'm just going to go down the pipe every time. Uh, after I after I establish my jab, but uh, kind of like I said in the video breakdown portion of the fight, I think the story of this fight, uh, regardless of how the weigh-ins go, the story of this fight is going to be told within the first two rounds. And kind of like that snowball momentum I was talking about um, earlier, I think that either girl is going to look like that snowball momentum rolling downhill and, 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 and trouncing their partner down the stretch. Um, for my money, I think it's going to be in J check. Am I willing to bet that money? No, outside my for fun parlay that I always do for the main card. No, I'm not. Um, I'm honestly going to stay away. Uh, I wrote dogger pass here. It's such a fucking cop out thing to say, but there's a lot of that guys. There's not a lot I like for, for straight plays. Uh, I got a lot of opinions though. Cause there's a lot of fights and I actually did some, 
I'm not doing as much research here, folks. Again, I've been honest with this for a while, especially for like prelims and whatnot. But there's some really good prelims, so I really did much more research than I thought I was going to. I was going to try to wrap up shop regardless at like seven, but I just kept things kept coming up, and I also wanted to keep watching fights. So here I am, uh, 45 minutes past midnight, talking to y'all. Um, all right, but yeah, I, I, I I'm gonna take in J check. It's just uh. Yeah, I'm not confident. I'm definitely not confident after hearing, you know, the interviews. But at the same time, like, if it makes sense, I'm not confident. I don't think she came off good by any means. But at the same time, in spirit, in theory, I don't blame her. Joanna, that is, like, you know, having that shit spring up on you like that. Um, And then, you know, of course, she's got the... I don't want to talk about implants or... I just these stupid fucking narratives again. Uh, it's fuck. <sighs> Not hating on people. That's your thing or beats or anything. I just, I just, I just leave it at this. What well, I don't even want to leave it because I don't even know the saying. I'm gonna butcher it and I will look like a stupid person, even stupider person, I should say. But uh, what's that? What's that saying where it goes? Um, what is it like? Uh, dumb people talk about or not dumb. Uh, so, you know, it's about like gossip, you know, like uh, people, the difference of people who talk about gossip and other people who talk about ideas. This is more of an ideas podcast, folks. We'll just leave it at that. So I'm not going to talk about all that other crap that people use, especially it's real in this really weird, ugly realm, especially when you start reading comments. You're like, guys aren't really that fucking douchey and sexist. Like even I have inappropriate humor. I can laugh at things. I'm no, no, they're, they're, there's people really that bad, so I don't even want to bring up these fucking topics, but uh, for the any more douchiness comes out. But I'll take in Jacek uh, by decision, maybe like a fourth or fifth round stoppage if she's really getting going. But even though I'm picking her, I I, I don't think I'll, I don't, I don't know if we'll ever see that vintage form, you know? Um, Just kind of where her head's at, you know? And again, I'm, fuck, I'm going to bring up these things and stereotypes after sounding like I'm white knighting like a second ago, which I wasn't trying to do. But at the same time, very honest, and there is uh, some 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 gist to this where I don't know, like for example, with like, and I'm a big Carolina fan, which is why I felt bad saying what I said earlier. But like you saw it like later when it was more like about like she was making it a point to like take her dog with her, and like, I'm a I'm a dog lover. I'm not hating on that when she was making it, you know, and like when her Instagram, you just. Instead of cross trading, you see just like more shopping photos, and like there's a lot of Carolina shop, and I'm comparing them because they're both Polish girls. I don't know, but but there's a very similar trajectory, like uh, not similar trajectory. One was a champion, dominant one. The other, you know, you could argue overperformed. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I I you wonder where the focus is at. You know, she's talking about relationships, changing relationships people change, man. You know, she came from nothing, the American life, and the little, like, what? The Florida beach and the convertible, a dog. You know, it's very, to get kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, people point to USADA and maybe can't hopping for Gedalia. But Gedalia, who, you know, was a force at the same time, right? They kind of, that's why that rivalry was so good for a little bit there. She was doing a lot of that same stuff, right? She was just like, I just want to have, to have a pretty dog and a pretty convertible and, like, would say... And I'm not trying to hate on that or the girly nature of things or whatever, this or that. But there are 
there are certain signs, you know, I forget who it was. Um, was it Mendenhall? Is it Chuck Mendenhall? I think it was. He's been on a lot of, a lot of stuff. As he should, he's, Chuck's awesome. But was saying something about, like, the women's division, like, you don't see when they take hard falls, the champions and stuff, or you don't see a lot of comeback from that. And, you know, I've, I've picked against Michelle Waterson a lot, and I'm picking against her here, and I've criticized my mom jam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, like, I, you know, dude, she's really got some resilience. I mean, if you look at just the, to stay that uh, around that long, still evolve and still say what you will about this run, and perhaps it won't get much farther than Saturday, right? But the fact of that, she's been able to kind of build herself back up and build herself back up through things like the, you know, um, failing at the high level to having a kid and all these other, whether you want to call them stereotypes, speculations, theories, hypotheses, whatever, right? It, she's, she's still here. And that deserves a lot of credit. So I, I, I feel like I got to give Michelle some credit there. All right, uh, next fight. I'm going to try to go a little faster on, on, on these ones, folks. Uh, Cron Gracie, Ice Cream Cron, minus 165. Cub back and cuts Cub Swanson, plus 145. This is another dogger pass, and more so, like, I'm rooting for Cub. I wanted to pick him. I don't I don't know what it is, man. I just... It's been hard to pick him and, uh, in these, these last three or four fights, and then they go the way they go, and... You know, he was actually pretty game, and it was, it was a really fun fight to watch, that Burgos fight on that on that rewatch, but you just kind of see him losing it, and, um, like, toward the end of each frame almost, and uh, I don't know, man. I just, I don't think pressure is a, a great, a great matchup. It's never really, it's really never been a great matchup for Cub. I mean, if you go back to the WEC days, Chad Mendez, like, any form of pressure fighter, whether it's uh, grappling or, or striking... Um, if you put the pressure on him, it, it, it's kind of suffocates his style. Like, you know, again, not to go back to that ball momentum rolling downhill, but it's very much Cub Swanson style. He's, he's a very much momentum based fighter. And I don't know if he's going to be able to let go of that momentum when he's standing across a specialist like Crone Gracie. So I think Cub's going to surprise a lot of people and defend early, but I, I, I'm as much as people don't give him credit for the Higa Machado black belt, I do think he gets submitted here probably in rounds two, or I'm thinking actually three, round three. Not, not, I'm not that confident in the round three, Derek Love. I see you over there. Easy, easy. But, um, yeah, it's like either play Cub or, you know, if you really want to play um, Gracie, it's a uh, submission, which I think you can still get plus money on it. Or you know, if cub by cub by decision, um, shout out to my man Aaron over there. I think he said that on his on his podcast. But really, you're already getting plus money on him. So I, I would say just uh, if you're gonna play cub, I, I'd say just play cub straight up or uh, or or crown by sub. All right, next fight, which this is getting the bout order is getting shifted, so this got shifted last fucking second. So we'll see if that translates or still ends up on the main card. But even those probably listed in the main card still in most places uh, probably won't be, and that is Mike Davis coming in short notice, earning himself. I think he opened it in the minus one fifty or one sixty range, but now he's minus two sixty. 
Juice came in, which is more of a fade on Gifford. That kind of sucks to be Gifford plus 220 on him, by the way. It's like when the the general just out there is like, who are they getting to fight Gifford? Okay, whoever it is, just give me him. <laughs> That's really bad. Um, Gifford seems like a guy that makes fights ugly for better or worse. Um, the sucky thing for him is it may make fights closer than they need to be. Unfortunately, he just doesn't seem to have the... Uh, the explosiveness, the fight IQ, or the sharpness of certain skills to really turn those things. He's done some boxing before, but so is so is Davis. Davis is more of a boxing-centric stance, except I would argue Davis has kind of learned a lot of those lessons from having that after fighting guys like Sadiq Youssef, and he even mentioned that in, uh, in, uh, in interviews leading up to this card. Um, that you know that was a real eye opener for him, and you see that even though Dorino was really tagging up his legs in the next fight because he was using calf kicks, that was also another short notice fight, and we've seen the trajectory Dorino's been on. But um, at the same time, Davis, to his credit, was like avoiding and, and, and checking some of those as well. So you could tell he really was making an effort. Um, perhaps there could be more kicks coming his way because Gifford's been training at Factory X. I don't like betting against those guys. Uh, big fan of Mark Montoya. Mark Montoya. Oh, he's not from Boston, damn. Uh, but that said, I'm going with the Beast Boy there, uh, Mike Davis, um, to uh, get back on track and maybe better see where he's at. You know, the the, the crappy thing is anybody questioning his, his his record and who he's fought coming in or who he's beat. I should say you can't really question who he's fought, but who he's beat. If you want to try to take that argument. The crappy part about that is even if he beats Thomas Gifford, you know, people are still going to be saying that about Mike Davis the next time. So give me Mike Davis. Uh, this was another tough one. I want to tip my hand here, but uh, little to no dog action for Dan Tom. This was a dog I had my my eye on, but I ended up going the other way. Of course, it's Mackenzie Dern, minus 145, and Amanda Hibas, plus 125. Like me some Amanda Hibas. Also like me some Dern. Different. Jeez, don't even, stay on target. Stay on target. <laughs> yeah. I'm an bow, bow. Sorry, don't sing Billy Gunn's uh, entrance, Dan. Uh, <laughs> but no, you know, say what you will about Dern and her lang coming, you know, uh, language thing and the camp changes and the almost borderline aloofness. Um, even though, again, it's just, it warrants a bunch of BS hate for the most part, uh, at the same time, I could see why, uh, I could see why people raise their eyebrows over it during that being said, when I go back and watch, you got to mute that stuff out because at the end of the day, she's a, she's a game day performer. Even if she's not in the best shape and doesn't have the best camp, she goes out there, she gets after it. She can get submissions late. She can. Uh, rock people. She has those heavy hands. Uh, I don't know if her boxing technique's gotten any better from what little I could see on the pad work on the Instagrams and other social medias. I mean, she looks comfortable and, and, and cleaner in that perspective, but that's 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 mitts and that's amateur novice striking, right? You know, you really can't tell shit from that, especially from her at her level and her background. So it's tough, where, but then again, Rebus, you know, even though she's really technical, I really like she was doing, she, she goes to the body, um, I like her footwork, a little too square, it's good because she's not following, she's cut, she's trying she's trying to cage cut and shift, which can be hard, and you're going to naturally open yourself up, 
But I could see her like doing that, like getting the ones and twos, initiating, maybe getting Benjamin. Relax. Maybe getting Dern on her toes, but then Dern just firing back and just rocking her for another fucking club and sub, you know, with like a heavy right overhand right, you know what I'm saying? So it's really tough. Um, Reboss also is, you know, I don't know. If she, Dern's gonna have to improve her wrestling. She made it. Uh, you know, she got criticized for it. Um, fuck, what fight was it? Was it her last fight or the fight before her last? And then she tried to make it a point to. Who was it? She was getting stuck. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Yoder. So then Amanda Bobby Cooper, she tries to make it a point to improve it. And she she, she says that in a post-fight interview. She's like, yeah, people are criticizing my wrestling. So I try to make it a, a point to work it. And I'm curious, you know, I don't know how much wrestling she could have. She just had a kid. She's coming like four months off of having it. That's another reason why I was looking. Uh, not being a jerk, rooting for her. But like also, you know, from a critical analysis standpoint, like looking to maybe pick against her. But, you know, she looks in, like, the best shape ever now. It's crazy. Like, I don't, I don't understand how that works. And, again, some of it might be just kind of an aloof uh, ego thing. But you know what else it is? She really is a, a game day performer, an outlier in that regard. She really is. Um, how far will that get her? I don't know. Does that mean she's going to win this fight? I don't know. But when I go back and look at the tape and then I go back and watch her, even her grappling, it's just, um, yeah, I, I think, I, 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 you know, I think uh, I think she can win this, but it's hard to tell because what, what do we know about Rebus? You know, you know me. You know I love Emily Whitmer, uh, Spitfire Whitmire over there uh, from Extreme Couture. Uh, I'm biased toward her, obviously, but at the same time, I mean, if Emily Whitmire is your only fight in how many years? How much do we, and that fight didn't go the distance, you know? Uh, we only go, go to the first or only second round. So, like, how much do we really know about Amanda, right? Uh, and that's for better or worse. You know, we could be, shoot, she could have so many more skills that we haven't even seen. You know, they're talking up, they're talking her up a lot at uh, ATT there. So, who knows? This one should, probably should have been on my avoid list, but uh, I'm avoiding it either way. I just, if you want to take a shot on the dog, I get it. But there's just so many unknowns here. Overs, unders, who the fuck knows? I'll take Dern, but yeah. Next one is on the avoid list for sure. And, and, and oh, that's uh, Luis Pena, minus 160. Matt Steamroll. Frivola. Come back on him, plus 140. Um, yeah. Trevor Whitman had a great quote on Luis Pena, you know, and just fighters like Pena. He goes, he has so much. So, you know, some fighters have so much fight in them that they just want to take the fight everywhere, and that's a problem. And I could see why people would want to maybe fade Luis Pena for that because he engages fighters where they're supposed to be. He's supposed to have a wrestling background, yet you know he he's easily taken down. But if you look at it, he's just one of those fighters where it's like a Luis Smolka. He's like a He's losing battles, but he's playing for the bigger game. He's playing to win that war. Um, and it's really risky because of the style of scrambler he is. But as somebody who likes to play scrambles and play for the, the for positions two and three, I, I, and seldom ever goes for that, for, uh, who tries to win battles two and three and seldom ever tries to win that first battle, I'm very much wired the same way so I can spot these styles. 
Um, I'm a little bit biased toward them, but I also can understand why I'm not saying they're the best styles in the world, but they are not nearly as negative as meets the naked eye or as most people perceive them to be. Meaning his scrambles are really well. He really knows what he's doing in there and ends up on top most time, often than not. I also can see why he had had knee surgeries back in his college wrestling days with the way he's able to just, with the way he gives his legs and just is so happy limp-legging and turning. I was, ugh, I, my knee cringes every fucking time. But he actually posted Luis Pena something like uh, when he had like a knee brace on and he was uh, wrestling and ended up winning a match and he like, refused physical therapy or a surgery and kind of just like healed it on its own and um you could tell he's like barely moving right and he ends up getting the takedown it's really impressive it's really like he's really just doing fundamental wrestling he's actually wrestling super fundamental it's kind of uh you know the the kevin holland effect again you know speaking of heavy hands shout to heavy hands i believe those guys saying uh you know kevin holland's the type of guy where you know he's got to break his arm to start fighting with some fundamental process and I have a feeling Luis Pena might be that same guy just by watching that old uh, wrestling footage of his. Um, so, and, and then, you look, you know, grappling with the guys at AKA and consistently doing camps there. Now he's not cutting down to 145 where he's killing himself, uh, you know. And I picked Steven Peterson in that fight, so I don't really hold that against him. Steven Peterson is better than people think, as we saw in his last fight, and probably finally proved why I've been picking him these last couple times. And... You remind people in that fight that he's a legit brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So, yeah, it didn't surprise me that he was able to get to uh, Pena's back and make Pena pay for some of those things that I was talking about, for Pena's propensity to play the long game. You can get kind of caught early and short on things, which is what he did with, with, with Peterson, even though he still ended up winning that fight. Um, and I think he can do it against Steamroller, because Matt Favola is just aggressive as shit. Uh, he's got good wrestling. But I don't know if it's going to be better wrestling from a scrambling point of view. Will he be able to get Pena down? Yeah, but is that what he's going to want to do? If Pena is able to sweep him, you know, and get on top. Um, you know, you look at that length advantage and where Turner was able to hit him on some of the things. And I don't know, man. One of the, you know, Luis Pena's really. I know he spams those knees, but they're not terribly thrown. And I, I could see them actually having play. In this fight, um, I came in wanting to pick Favola here. This was another fight where I came in leaning toward the dog. Ended up siding with Pena. Am I confident? No. Uh, I wasn't going to be on the avoid list, even though I'm not confident on it. Because if you see a side, uh, I'm more encouraging you to take it, whether it's a dog or otherwise. Although for me, it's dog or pass, even though I'm picking the favorite here. But then, uh, <laughs> yeah, certain, certain people are on Pena that may, uh, may mush lines from, from time to time. Uh, that made me kind of even extra nervous. So I'm sticking to my pick. I, you know me, I stick to the analysis. But uh, yeah, this one's on my avoid list. I got Pena. All right, next fight. Also on the avoid list. I know, it sounds really not fun, but it's what it is. It's a good card, but sometimes a good card is hard to bet. You really got to be confident to lay some money on these uh, near favorites or just take the shots in the dog. Ooh, this Coke is so good. Um... Oh, it's so sweet. Uh, it's so small and mini. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's what she said. Wait. <laughs> Eric Andrews, minus 160. Gerald, GM3, Koopa Troop, plus 140. God, this is another tough one, man. I like both these dudes, man. And uh, I don't really try to interact with any fighters online, really, to be honest. I don't, there's not much of a point to that. But... uh 
these are dudes for one reason or another, usually because I'm something surrounding video games or something, I'll, uh, or some interviews, these guys will pop up on my radar. And uh, how can you not love either one of these guys, man? That's something I avoid this. I don't want to see either guy lose. Um, I came in leaning toward Mearshart because maybe because I've I, I've always wanted to pick Mearshart before or I picked him before. And then I don't know because I got burned. I don't not, not not really just maybe just the matchups. I just wasn't too confident. I should have been. I should have took him against Giles, Jay guys, and I uh, didn't. So uh, uh, and I was I mean, maybe it's part of that. I'm like, okay, I definitely take Mearshart here. You know, I, I love Eric Anders, but and not saying for me, but if you just look at it from a general perspective. Maybe there was some overinflation there. Not his fault. He's going out there and just fighting, doing what he's going to do. But, you know, he, he gained a lot of respect from his athletic background. And the UFC has well pushed them. And you saw the kind of the odds follow suit, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So maybe, you know, you always kind of are careful with this guy when you see him listed as a favorite. But no, no, I went back and watched it. And I, I, I like Eric, Eric Anders' um, chances here. I like that, you know, he's been cross-training with places like the Fortis MMAs of the world and... And whatnot, I think that's a good thing. Um, Mearshart showed that he could fight smarter in his last fight, whereas Anders kind of getting back to his roots, roots which he was talking about, uh, which I think serves him better. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's a southpaw for a southpaw matchup. Um, Anders is 1-2 and two against UFC southpaws. He uh, beat Marcus Maluco Perez. He lost a split to Machida, depending on how you score that. But he definitely lost to Khalil, right? Whereas Mearshart, he hasn't faced any southpaws, dedicated southpaws in the UFC, but he is one and one outside the UFC with Sam Alvey. He guillotined him the first time and he lost the decision the second for whatever the hell that's worth. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that stacks up on the feet. Both guys love kicks as well, so their options should be opened up, but it's defense that's always tricky when you have the southpaw versus southpaw matchup. Um... I think Eric Anders, though, ultimately I pick him because I think uh, he's going to win out the wrestling. Even if Mearshart's the better scrambler, he gives up takedowns too easily depending on those scrambles and sweeps. And Anders, for as much of an athlete as he is and the striking everybody's afraid of, he really started off with jiu-jitsu, and he's pretty damn savvy. Uh, he's only got an influx of Brazilian talent coming up to the gym, according to certain interviews. Uh... And uh, we have this interview with James Lynch, which I'll be referencing one of his, and I'll be giving James Lynch a good, good shout one of his interviews here coming up. But, uh, but yeah, uh, so I actually think he can stay safe from the Mearshart submission. So as long as he doesn't, um, he should have a gas take advantage as well. That's another reason why I have a hard time picking Gerald. As much as I love Gerald, he seems to kind of, kind of gas sometimes, um, and uh, or start slow, and uh, that could be a problem against Eric. So. I'm going to go ahead and take Anders, but I'm not confident enough to play it, nor do I want to play it. I don't want to bet money against either of these guys. I, 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 I genuinely like both those guys, those guys. All right, next fight. Nico Price, minus 145. James Vick making his welterweight debut. Come back on him is plus 125. Um, Nico Price, which is essentially... Nico Price and Mike Perry have to fight for the Battle of the Florida Man. And I think, like, you know, how The Rock puts the belt... They should have a Florida man belt. Fucking hell. I'm going to write that down. Florida man belt. That's right. We have the BMF belt. The Rock's going to put it on. They need a Florida man belt. And and uh, James Franco's character from Spring Breakers gets to put it on. Look at my shit. Look at all my shit. I got shorts every fucking color. Look at my shit. 
spring break forever. <laughs> that is Nico Price. This is surprising. I'm, I'm interested to see what the size is going to be because I think James Vick is going to be the bigger guy. He's a taller guy, but I think he might even be the bigger guy. That sounds crazy. Will he be the more powerful guy? No, that, that'll be Nico Price. But the reason why I say that is because I actually, Nico Price actually walked by me a little bit after his um, Jeff Neal fight, uh, Contender Series. He was at one of the shows. And I almost didn't recognize him because he, I, I thought he was like six foot, six one, but it just seemed more like a 5'11". Like he felt more like a 5'11", barely six foot. And that was like shoes, jeans, black t-shirt. And I'm not saying that as a disparaging thing. I'm picking Nico Price here. But for what it's worth, seldom do you hear Dan Tom comment on size as far as a fighter being smaller than I imagine. So take that for what you will. Does it mean anything? I don't know. I'm still picking Nico Price here because I think it's a bad matchup for James Vick. Um, you know, I, I think... I don't know if James Vick goes up to Walter White to start wrestling guys. If he did, maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing because he's got good enough jiu-jitsu to stay out of Nico Price's things. But then Nico Price can knock you out from the bottom as well. And I don't know if he gets those takedowns. So Nico Price can be taken down. Uh, Nico Price likes to do, you know, he's been, he likes to kind of turtle and come up to a tripod, let guys slip off the front, re-wrestle for hooks. I, I like that approach. Um, and it saved him quite a few times. He'll give the back because he's confident in giving the back. He'll turn in the guys. So it was kind of surprising, like, um, it was kind of, you know, kind of, uh, not surprising, I was going to say. Um, it, 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 it would be very surprising to see one guy have an advantage over the other. I know Vic's got a good front headlock series and whatnot, but unless he really catches Nico and that, like, shooting in, um, then I'm not sure. And Nico will just, like, run guys over. He'll go from the body lock. Like, he's got a lot of different takedown types. He'll catch a kick. Guy will spin on it. He'll take him down. Like he he can take you down from from multiple different positions as well. So I mean I I'm just trying to figure out where where Vic wins this fight. Uh, the only way he wins this fight in my mind is if he just sticks and moves for three rounds. Um, and listening to the interviews, I'm not very confident. I don't I don't know if Vic has got that confidence. You know I don't I don't sense that in him. And he's talking about. You know, I'm not trying to go off the headlines and things messing with his head because I actually went to listen to those interviews in context. Um, and I get what he's saying. It's like kind of like what you hear like Bader said about heavyweight or like let heavyweights that go to heavyweight when they no longer have to cut weight. Like it messes with you. It's part of the mental journey. And then it sounded like, you know, Vic to his own admission, he didn't even start his diet till two weeks out. And then he even was kind of saying that I kind of started it late. I'll still make weight. But he's essentially making this weight cut harder than it needs to be, which essentially he's admitting that he didn't fully optimize this first trip up. Now, is the first trip ever optimized, no matter how good and how professional a person is? No. No, it takes a good couple fights. That being said, it's not a good sign when it's just someone's like, you're, you know, you're three in the hole and you leave your diet willy-nilly till two weeks out. What I do like, though, is that Vic wasn't using the weight as an excuse. He was, you know, he was being critical on his technique. You know, he was being honest. He said he's been working these things. I like hearing that. However, aside from keeping your hands up, and I believe that because those mitt, those mitt guys will fuck you up. Uh, by the way, go to Mike Davis's Instagram. Another reason why I picked him. He's re he looks like he's been in shape. He recently came back from Thailand, and look at the mitt session there. Like the guy just walking them down. Like they do shit where the mitt, the mitt guy just smacks you with the mitt or body shots you with like bare knee or, or teep kicks. Um, 
in between combinations uh, and just tries to break you. Like it's a fucking game they have. It's crazy. I've heard of these before. I've seen these before. They have a lot of different variations of these burnout games in Thailand. Um, but Vic was kind of referencing that too. Uh, I didn't see any on his social media per se, but he was out out in Thailand for a minute. The problem, and I love Muay Thai and Thailand, all that stuff. The problem is like. Footwork and head movement seem to be what guys need most, and as the game's evolving, that's what we need more. Like, you know, like the whole, oh, I went out to Thailand thing, like, every once in a while, depending on the matchup, you get the Khalil Roundtree, Eric Anders, I went out to Thailand, oh, shit. But really, it's like, I mean, dude, we can go back over 10 years ago, and, like, remember John Fitch, uh, George St. Pierre, like, oh, but but get this, guys. I know Fitch is the grinder in the winter, but get the. He spent two weeks in Thailand. He could have been fucking little boys out there for all we know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm just saying, like, we, you know, remember when we used to speak even like 10 years ago in MMA? Like, oh, he went out to Thailand? Like, that was the thing? Like, oh, fuck. Like, like that was like, oh, he was like, and like, little, like, dude, the, even the generation now, the, the, the more dedicated, educated, the, the shit that people are probably getting, getting into out there in Thailand, like, oh my God. Um, I think even Vic was saying like he was like drinking with all his meals or something when he was out there. Like Jesus Christ. Um, so I don't know how much head movement or footwork and things like that of defense. You know, like I would maybe more of a boxing, uh, but you know for that. But um, so I always get I always I always kind of I'm at odds with that when someone wants to work their defense and then they go to like the most offensive heavy martial art place and I'm like, mm, you want to work your defense though, right? So, yeah, um, and I don't see the knees and 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 whatnot, and some of his other weapons having as much play in this division, much less against Price. Uh, who has long reach himself? He's got those long arms, man. So I'm going to go Nico. I don't know if I want to play it straight up. It's minus 145, and I don't like playing props that are juiced, but Price is, really is one of those dudes. Price inside the distance is what I'm referring to, minus 125, because that's kind of how you want to play it. Um, even though he can get the sub, uh, it just you might as well just play Price inside the distance, I think, because he really is one of those guys that's going to be inside or bust, right? And if it goes to the decision, it's Vic. So um, I'm probably going to be laying on that Price inside the distance. I kind of want to wait for a better line. I do see, see some Vic support out there. We've got some decent Vic support in the staff picks. Fortunately, the line doesn't reflect it. And don't get me wrong, man, part of me actually is rooting for Vic here in the sense of, like, I, I just, the dude's got, like, he loses this, man. I don't know what the fuck he's going to do, man. He's, he's done. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, part, I, I hate betting on a guy's demise, but I think it's a bad matchup for him. So there's there's that. Florida man belt. Uh, next for Nico Price is the Florida man belt with Mike Perry. All right, next fight. Ryan, Superman spam, minus 150. Come back on Devin Brown Bear Clark. Oh, you know what Devin, you know what it means when we get Devin Clark? It means we get Devin Clark's dad in the corner. Come on, Devin! Devin, come on, Devin! Devin. <laughs> <laughs> right? Isn't that. <laughs> come on, Devin! He's all getting Oh, listen for Devin. Brown Bear Clark! Listen for his dad, the best cornerman ever. Uh, versus Ryan Spam, feel like he, he'll be like fighting John Jones Light in there, a little, little flamboyant, flowy guy. Can do some wrestling, some submission grappling. Um, yeah, Clark surprised uh, a lot of us in the last fight. You know, he showed some heart, came back, 
at the gas tank, fight composed. He admitted he does dumb stuff and gets knocked out. And he fought with that chip on his shoulder. And hey, God bless him, man. He fought well and got him the win. Does he fight smart against Ryan Spann? And if he does, is it enough to get the win? I don't know, man. I'm not picking him. I got I got Ryan Spann. I feel like Devin Clark, you know, he can win this fight. He could, I could see him surprising Spann, you know, maybe hitting him with one of those straight jabs and knocks him down or a random hook step in like he did with uh, Dark Ecstosage. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, like, I, I, you know, or maybe, you know, wrestle him, but... Ryan Spann's actually pretty good on the ground. He can scramble really well. He's got some sweeps. He wasn't afraid to mix it up with Big Nog. Granted, Big Nog has like two of 12 functioning limbs at this point, and he's like been reanimated seven times. That's besides the point. Uh, no, no. And Ryan Spann's like, like a strong... Is, is a, I would say grappling is one of the more stronger parts of his game. Like He hits heavy, and he's still developing his striking down there at Fortis MMA. So I, I like that. So I expect more... Uh, like many Fortis uh, products, it's volume striking, running those combats. 11! 11 22! 11 I'll cut your fucking family. Do you want to win this fight? Safe side of cornering right there. Um, you know, uh, so I, you, you expect their fighters to be improved with volume, output, striking, process. And I think that scrambling and submissions is already a natural strength for Spain. So I think this is just one of those fights where it's like, this reminds me of, like, OSP versus Corey Anderson, where, like, you know, Devin Clark's going to be able to win in multi- multiple ways until he's not. And I see Ryan Spann getting it done inside the distance. Inside the distance, minus 105. So it's like, do you just bet Spann at minus 150 at that point? In case he beats him by decision, like he did the last wrestler he did, Luis Henrique, Right. That's up for you to decide. I'm going to probably play Span inside the distance, but another way to look at it, you maybe play him straight up and then you sprinkle in submission. This is crazy. I don't, this has got to be a typo. Plus 900 for Ryan Span by submission. Okay. Inside the distance is minus 105. Let's get the, let me scroll down and get the TKO prop for you. TKO minus 130. Okay. That's crazy, first of all. Minus 130, TKO. Inside the distance, minus 105. I always love when inside the distance, which covers more ground, is actually more of a value, cheaper price. First flag. Second flag, Ryan Spann by submission, who off the top of my head, I think he's got like 10, most of his victories are by submission. More than decision, more than TKO. I think it's like a 10 to 3 ratio, is his knockout to submission ratio, as in 10 fucking submissions. Spann by submission, plus 900. Um, Brown Bear Clark is a do-or-die fighter if he loses it's by finish. And he also not just been knocked out, the dude's been submitted. Granted, it was by a black belt. But it wasn't a black belt move by Jan Blockowicz that got submitted Darren Clark. It was a fucking no-hook rear naked choke. That's why Brown shot the damn one shot. That's what he got choked out by. And Ryan Spann wins most of his by submission. And the matchup and the length and the fact that Ryan Spann just knocked out his last guy means Devin Clark maybe wanted to close the distance. Because that's his strength. You're going to put a plus 900 price tag? Fuck, that's a bet from me out of... that's a, that's a, I only bet a quarter unit, but that's just a bet out of fucking principle right there. Spam by sub plus 900. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Jesus, Dan, what are you angry for? Oh, man, I got these little boys room, so I want to speed this up because I don't want to pause to edit. That's too much information. Well, you deserved it. Next fight. 
Jesus, there's a lot of fucking fights. Uh, Devison Figueredo, minus 190. Tim Elliott, comeback, plus 165. I'm taking Devison here. He's probably going to be a parlay piece, and I hate to say it. I'll keep this one short. Uh, Tim Elliott, you know, extreme couture, doesn't have people, you know, he's in the circles that I know, so it's just, even though I don't know him or have any idea of his training, I, I also feel bad betting or betting, picking, whatever, against against, against certain guys, and uh, Tim would qualify as one of them, so I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm, I'm picking Figueredo here. I was kind of surprised the line was as low as, like, minus 165 earlier this week. I think other people were, too. It's climbed to minus 190. I expect it hits minus 200 by fight time. It, it closes north of 2-1. to one. Uh, As Davis and Figueredo is a... Um, it's a parlay. It's a parlay piece. All right. Um, I just, I just, yeah. Tim Elliott, the injury, the layoff. I think it's going to look a lot like um, the fight with Pantoja, with him possibly getting Tim out of there. Unfortunately, um, we'll see. I hope I'm wrong. I, really, I, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, but from a critical standpoint, I'm on the other side of it. All right. Max Griffin minus one forty. Max Payne Griffin. Alex Morono, comeback plus 120. This one is tough, maybe because I like both guys, also because I suspect it's going to be a wild match. Um, this one's actually going to be on my avoid list, but I'm going with Max Griffin here. Uh, Max Griffin, you know, he's underrated, doesn't get his due. Probably should have got that one against Thiago Alves. Got another hard-fought win against a guy like Zalim, uh, who was making his debut, granted. That was an interesting little sidebars and storylines to that one. But it sucks. Matt Griffin, Max Griffin is such a nice guy. He was just so classy throughout all that fight. We can all the bullshit that guy was putting him through, giving him fingers. Just, I think people are saying, like, racial slurs in his DMs. And, like, the dude has had to go through so much bullshit, right? And uh, so I was really happy to see him get that win. Um, I think it's probably going to be a decision here because Morono's so tough. If anybody gets a finish, it might be Morono because he's got underrated power. In his hands, although his record doesn't reflect it, and even though he doesn't use jujitsu a lot, like he was joking, like, "Oh, it was the last time I got the top control," when like Zach Otto pretty much like like just like rolled over. But um, but yeah, like he, he really doesn't initiate the grappling, which is why I have a hard time picking him. Um, but I always respect him as an underdog, though. I don't know whether I pick him or not, which is probably why it's on the avoid list. Although I am picking Griffin. I think Griffin gets it done. This is the one I wanted to shout out, James Lynch. Go to the Score MMA. Go subscribe to their YouTube. James Lynch's interview with Max Griffin. And I love Max Griffin, right? Like, So I feel really bad because I, I like his style. I, he's just a friendly dude. I've interviewed him before on Junkie Radio. But we met him. He, and I, he's a guy I like more and more here. And he seems like such a genuinely nice guy. So I feel bad pointing this out. But Max Payne Griffin. Like he's got like this like this facial expression on on him like when he fights or when he's trying to make like his mean way in face or even when he's just interviewing him it it reminds me of Charlie Murphy uh, in the Chappelle Show. You guys remember Chappelle Show? You remember Charlie Murphy? Like I don't know if it was like the what was that the time traveling where they go time the pimps that go traveling back in time and Charlie Murphy does this kind of head nod. He always kind of has this snarl, right? Charlie Murphy's showing his teeth. He's got, he's kind of showing the snarl. Like, eh, eh, what's up? Right? He kind of has this weird, like, snarl. And Dave Chappelle actually would later have a skit making fun of Charlie Murphy's snarl. And because it was always accompanied by, like, a head shake. Where Max, Max Griffin, he doesn't do the head shake, but Charlie Murphy. Remember that? Remember that the thing Dave Chappelle would make fun of him? Whereas the he'd be doing the head nod left or right, and he's kind of showing his teeth like, mm. like Max Payne does that, but without the head nod. And it's just something that I can't like. 
it's really distracting. Like I'm trying to listen to the interview and I'm like, this is Max. Like, it looks like he's like, like he's getting ready like to say his like his his nickname and like pose for the camera, but he's not. Like he's just giving it an interview. Or it looks like he's gonna like say his name. He's making a snarl. Like he's gonna pose for the camera, but he's not. He's just fighting. He just has this 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 fucking weird look on his face. So like he's talking to James. And I feel bad saying because Max is a nice guy. So he's talking to James about and James, if you're listening, feel feel free to confirm or deny or sidebar or DM me. Um, if you noticed this or had a hard time keeping a straight face, because I wouldn't have, because I pick up shit like this. Like, Max is talking to James about his new water regiment, and it sounds like something like Aleem and Lay McFarland does, but it's up in NorCal, like it's Josh Emmett does it. And it's helped his conditioning, and another reason why I'm picking him this fight, because he's not just saying that. You go on his Instagram, he's a big dude. Like, he fought at middleweight a lot. Uh, granted, because he couldn't get a lot of fights at welterweight in the regional scene, but, like, he's a big welterweight, right? He would make, he would, he'd be the dude that would be landing 20 pounds out, right? Um, but he's been in pretty much in co- constant fight camp trying to get on cards that he's been in shape. And part of that is this water training. So James is like, well, tell me more about this water training. What do you do? He's like, well, you know, you know, we got we to tread water like this. And the great part, again, he, he, he does his face. And the, what makes it funny, it's because it's unintentional humor. Like, that's what made Nick Diaz funny, right? Because Nick Diaz wasn't trying to be funny. It was unintentional humor. Like, his old school, his wans, like Jason Mayhem Miller. You know, interviewing him back in the day for hardcores. I remember that, and that's what this is. It's, it's it, he, Mac. He's not even trying to be funny. Like James asked him to explain it, but he didn't ask him to pantomime it. But like Max actually pantomimes it. He goes, "Well, we have to tread water." So if you were able to, this is so hard because this is visual. So if you were able to to picture that Charlie Murphy face, or even one better, correlate that and uh, you know picture the the face that Max Payne makes. You know, you understand what I'm talking about. Picture that or the Charlie Murphy face, and Max, Max Griffin's making that face, and he's like, James is like, what, what, what kind of exercise do you do? Oh, you know, we tread water, and then he does the face, and then he puts his hands up and starts doing like spirit fingers, like from uh, Bring It On. And he's like, and it's, it's so, it's the most funniest thing because he's got the fucking face, and he's, and then he's actually kind of doing like a, fl- he's, his whole body's kind of flailing, and he's like doing like, he does like, like three different exercises and does these like hand pantomimes, and it's the funniest shit. I don't know why. If it's just, it, if you're listening to this podcast, go do that. I'll feel less bad if you go subscribe. And now I'm just giving a nice charitable plug to a good person and a, and a non, uh, you know, a non junkie family member. So, you know, I'm not just being biased here. But also, I need some confirmation here. Is that shit funny? Or am I just fucking being Dan Tom and it's really late and I need to get the rest, which is probably true. And also, James, if you're listening, like, how'd you keep a straight face? I, I could not. It was fucking ridiculous. It was some of the most ridiculous shit I've seen. I don't know why I just went so deep explaining that, folks. But it's funny. Please, somebody, make that not in vain. Even if you don't think it's funny, but yeah, I went and watched it. It just looks weird, Dan. I don't know. You have problems. Seek help. Here's a donation for your PayPal. Seek help, buddy. <laughs> I would appreciate that, actually. I'll take any anything you want to give in that regard. Um, all right. Miguel Baeza, minus 220. Come back on Hector Aldana, plus 180. Uh, not much going here. I was really impressed with Baeza. That was my favorite fight of that night. He earned a B, which is about the highest grade you'll get for a decision. Victor Reyna was game that night. Baeza, you could see, you know, he's... Well trained uh, for MMA, MMA masters. I know I kind of have their criticism sometimes with their kicks, throwing naked kicks. But Baez has got some good length. He's got some good punches to him, um, and the wrestling, the jujitsu is really good. I mean, you see that black belt, that wrist control, the back take move he hits in the first round against Reyna. 
Um, that's just that is just some good shit. Uh, so I think he's gonna do it here. I think he's, I think he can submit uh, Hector Aldana, but Aldana could be be game. It's just he's just not really sharp anywhere, and um, yeah, I don't know how he got into the UFC or what what he's doing here. But I think this will be his last one. I'll I'll get I'll take Miguel Baeza, but. That minus 220, man, that's like parlay piece territory as far as number value goes. And even though he he justifies it in the sense he's on paper, one of the more sure shot. But even against a guy like Hector Aldana, something about banking heavily on a UFC debutante like that, right? It's just something weird about that. But I'll pick by as a play at your own risk, folks. Marvin Vittori, minus 335. Andrew Sanchez, comeback, plus 275. I like these improvements from El Durte. I like that he went up to, you know, picked them in the last couple fights. I like that he went to TriStar. But at the same time, there's still certain things at the heart of his game. Um, he's either, uh, the trick was, you know, it was a trade-off. He was, he was being a little more flat-footed and fighting a little more smart, which is a good thing to conserve energy. But when he does a lot of the stuff that make him good, like his takedowns or his bouncy footwork-style striking, which I actually really like, that shit just seems to zap Andrew Sanchez's energy. And Marvin Vittori doesn't let up. I already broke this fight down once when it was going to happen, so I don't really want to go into it again, nor is it really fresh in my head because I, uh, I didn't go back to watch anything except Vittori's last fight with uh, Cesar Fajeda. And, you know, again, if he was able to beat a southpaw there um, with, uh, some, uh, with some level-changing striking, uh, not that Sanchez is a southpaw, though he would switch stance earlier in his career, um, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like Vittori's pressure there, man. This brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu is legit. He's not afraid to grapple with guys, and uh, I think he's going to be able to grapple with Sanchez just fine. I don't know if he gets him out of there. He could. Uh, either way, that's he's, he's a parlay piece for me. So it's uh, Marvin, Davison, and one more. Although, if you want to do Marvin and Davison by themselves, I wrote here, it's minus 101 at the odds, roughly. Minus 101. So for whatever that's worth. Uh... All right. Almost almost done. Jesus Christ. J.J. Alger's minus 160. Lauren Mueller plus 140. Um, taking Aldridge here. I uh, like her southpaw stylings. I think her straight shot's off the counter, and she showed she could pressure against a girl like Barber, although she ended up taking a really mean left. That was a southpaw and southpaw matchup. Again, those angles are really tricky. Um, and unless the time Shevchenko was visiting, she really didn't have much southpaws to go with. So, uh so yeah, uh, JJ Al so JJ Aldridge uh, got rocked there and got her first stop. So she got caught in the nose too. Really just shut her down. Um, I like Aldridge a lot here, a little bit less because Mueller was even though she you know takes the bad loss against Yunnan Wu. I'm like ooh, should we dial it back? You know, I just saw the physical. You know, she's trading at Alliance. I saw the basic skill set, nothing too major, but she just had the pressure and physicality that can take you really far in a lot of the women's ranks. Uh, when I was at that Contender Series fight, so I picked her against the Yunnan Wu or whatever, and she loses that bad loss. Then she goes against, was it Botelio or whatever, was that last fight? Or, and then you're like, ooh, she has that tough, takes that body shot in the first round. You see all this really bad body language in the corner. But then she fights back and ends up, you know, her hard-headedness ends, does end up coming around to serve her well. Will, will it, or was this, will this just be another case of too much too soon? Um... I'm going to take Aldridge here. I'm still hesitant on whether or not I would even want to play it or not, but uh, I don't blame anybody for doing it because it's one of the more playable uh, numbers or angles, but I don't know, man. It's, I've been burned by WMMA lately, so staying away from that. Marlon Vera, minus 155. Andre Uhl, come back on him, plus 135. Andre Uhl looked better. It, it wasn't that he looked good. 
great. It's just he looked how he was kind of supposed to look, and against a guy that was very willing in uh in uh DeSantos there. Hold on one second. Go ahead, man. Take it easy. Thanks. I really gotta pee. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. Couldn't hold any longer. But yeah, he fought a willing partner there. Um, Andre Ull didn't. Was able to keep him on the outside and hurt him when he needed to for the most part. Uh, Andre Ull didn't. Uh, was his fucking name? Anderson Dos Santos? Some name that sounded like a Reebok uh, fucked it up. Um, guy who fought uh, Ricky Simon Vato back in the day. But yeah, um, whereas Marlon Vera. This could still be a kind of a trapping fight, which is like, okay, maybe that's why the line is tighter. Like, I, I figure this one would at least been moved by the public, if not opened wider than this, right? Um, and I'm thinking maybe that's why, and, and Marlon Vera's propensity to just kind of fight from behind until he's like ready to turn it up and then just unload on guys, and he's got all these skills. Like, and it's, it's not that you know. And, and if you look at him in boxing range, that used to be one of his more weaker ranges. I was worried that maybe is Marlon Vera a guy that's dependent on like. Switching stances and doing fancy stuff. Like, no, he was just learning to fight. Like, he really just got to the scene way too early than he should have been. And that's why we've had to see him learning on the job. But he's a smart guy when you really listen to his interviews or if you've interviewed him yourself. You know, he's, he's sharp. He's focused, man. He's, he's on his diet. He's trying to improve. He's trying to train with the right people. Uh, and his boxing's getting better. You know, we saw with the, the, the body shots he was landing. Uh, before the Noel no fight, and then, you know, when he came to life in the Noel fight. And uh, I'm looking on his uh, Instagram, and aside from a really sad picture of BJ Penn, <laughs> he just showed, thanks, BJ. It was, like, from a couple weeks ago. <laughs> like, BJ Penn dropped by, and BJ just looks fucking hungover. It's bad. <laughs> oh, come on the lava shack. Don't want to ever gonna give you back. Wu-Tang, right? Gravel pit? All right, sorry. Anyways. Uh, but no, it was because he was cross-training at Rufka Gym with Jason Perillo. And that's that's especially of note because Jason Perillo um, knows how to coach guys to, to, to box southpaws, to fight southpaws. He trains guys to fight southpaws very well. Uh, hey, BJ Penn, Jens Pulver, that's where this first camp was with him. Um, you know, uh, Bisping, Luke Rockhold, um, Chris Cyborg, Holly Holm, you know, the, the high-level examples continue on through many uh, decades of Jason Perillo. Or not decades, of years, uh, generations. So uh, Jason Perillo knows how to coach a fighter against a southpaw. That made me much more confident. Aside from the already great team Oyama, where he actually has some switch stance and southpaw guys to work with there, too, for bodies. Marlon Vera does. Um, so you mix that in. I, I, I think uh, it will... Andre Ull is hard to hit, but uh, I think you can hit him enough to stun him or get him to the ground um, after Vera gets hit enough by, my guess is Ull tags him with some ones or twos to go like, ooh, oh, oh shit, to kind of make any, you know, Marlon Vera better start sweating. And then by middle of the first round to the end of the first round, um, Marlon Vera is going to have this guy's back and pounding him out. Maybe he gets saved by the bell. And then the second round, he comes out and finishes him. Um, I actually... Uh, Vera Vera is the only person I played so far, and may, might be my only straight play. Uh, and minus one fifty five, I don't think it's going to get any better than that. So um, I just put one point five for minus one fifty five, and I also played Vera by submission, the quarter unit at plus one twenty. I just think that uh, hits. Oh, and I put Marlon. Oh, Jesus Christ. In the parlay, I was teasing the fun parlay again. Parlays are stupid. You shouldn't do them. 
do not follow my lead. It's degenerate bullshit. Uh, it's a madman's game, even betting. You really shouldn't be doing that. If you are going to bet, you're really better off with the straight shots, even if it is like a prop or something. Or, but parlays are very dangerous. That being said, I'm a degenerate myself, and I'm an honest degenerate who's going to share you what I play. Very, very small. Uh, like, uh, But uh, I, I parlayed Marvin Vittori. Ma- Marvin. <laughs> That's my ear. Uh, I, I parlayed Marvin Vittori, Marlon Vera, and Davison Figueredo uh, for plus 205. If you want the safer version, like I said earlier, uh, it's Marvin Vittori and Davison Figueredo, minus 101, close to even money. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's just what I played. I don't like any overs or unders as per usual. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I will say though, something about the, uh, real quick uh, before I do this recap here, um, Anders and Mearshart. It's on my avoid list, but there's something weird. Uh, inside the distance of TKO line, so that's another one where it's off. You know, I was pointing out the span one seems a little bit off, but um, you can get uh, Anders, I think, by TKO at a higher price, or inside at a higher price than you can by TKO, which is always funny when that happens. And even though it's an avoid and I don't want to bet, uh, I like both guys, and that's going to be a tough one um, to root too hard either way, but to be honest, I think that's probably the most... I mean, I'm picking Anders, and I think it's, it is inside the distance for whatever that's worth. But, yeah, got it here. Yeah, it, Anders inside the distance is actually plus 160, and I think that's the most probable outcome. And then if it's funny, because then you go look at Anders by TKO, it's plus 125. <laughs> so it's just like, okay. Um, so I just think that those things are kind of funny there. It almost makes you want to... Bet that value or out of principle, especially if you're already on that side slash maybe looking to bet. That said, it's on my avoid list for my own reasons. Not saying it has to be on your avoid list. But the pick for that one is Anders. All right, we're going to go from top to bottom here, folks. Taking Ioana and Jaychik over Michelle. Mom champ. Yeah. Waterson. Taking Cron Ice Cream Gracie over Cub Swanson. Taking Mike Beast Boy Davis over Thomas Gifford. Taking Mackenzie Dern over Amanda Hebas. Stay on target. Taking Luis Pena, the violent Bob Ross, over Matt Stevola. Favola almost took my microphone off the table with that one. Taking Eric Anderditz over Gerald Mearshart. Taking Nico Price over James Vick. Spring break forever. Taking Ryan Superman Span over Devin Brambe Clark. Taking Devison Figueredo over Tim Elliott. Taking Max Payne Griffin over Alex Morono, the Great White. Um, great White, terrible name, nickname if you're a white supremacist. Not, Alex Morono is not, by the way. No, not exactly. I'm just saying that'd be, a, that'd be a terrible. Jesus Christ! Wow, why did you have to say that, Dan? I don't know what. It's late, folks. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Taking Miguel Baeza over, over Hector Aldana. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus. Damn. Taking Martin Vittori over Alderte Sanchez. Taking J.J. Aldritz over Lauren Mueller. Taking Marlon Vera over Andre Uhl. Parlay did a fun one. Marvin Marlon Davison for plus 205. You can do the 
Cheaper version, safer version, Marvin and Davison for minus 101. Straight plays, 1.5 for Vera at minus 155. May look at the price. Price, we'll see. Did take for props Vera by submission. Quarter unit at plus 120. Span inside the distance, minus 105 is being looked at it, but you know I played that span by sub out of value principle. Span by sub, plus 900, quarter unit. Price inside the distance, through a unit, minus 125. On the avoid list for Volapania, Anders Mearshart, Moreno Griffin, at least for me, I think those are going to be some wild-ass fights. While, while iTunes is up, why don't you celebrate it while it's still up and hook your boy up with another five-star rating or review. I'll read it here on the show. Feel free until I set up a dedicated email to send me, uh, you know, follow me at DanTomMMA, uh, DanTom on Facebook, or Dan underscore Tom underscore MMA on Instagram. Any of those DMs work. I will answer those MMA questions, industry questions, relationship advice, although I'm the last person qualified. Whatever the fuck you want to ask, we will do listener questions uh, whenever they come up. Fair? Fair? You want to submit them and we'll do them? Cool. Thank you, guys. Thanks for uh, listening. Uh, again, please give that article a check, MMA Fiction. We'll definitely be getting these podcasts and, and, and getting to these other things as well. I know, folks. I keep saying that. It's it's tough with this schedule, but I will be hatching out time. Um, I, I promise. I do. The Onnit link does work. I'm still updating the Amazon link, but if you are an Onnit shopper, that's that's another way. Without spending a single extra penny, you just click through the banner at mixedmarshallanalyst.com right below the uh, iTunes uh, link, which is directly I provide for you for a rating right below the PayPal link to support the podcast if you want to feel so inclined. But really, uh, Onnit, uh, it's, great. it's a great company there. I like using the hemp proteins, my favorite. I also use like the Active B and some other things. A lot of other things, to be honest. Um, if you click through the link there, you can go ahead and shop for all your favorite Onyx products. And uh, a small percentage goes back here to the podcast, and it doesn't charge you a, a dime or a penny. So uh, for whatever that's worth, thanks. And, of course, again, any, any the best thing you do to help the podcast is word of mouth. Or if you want to go ahead and tag the podcast uh, on social media, especially the old Twitter sphere, I will uh, go ahead and give you some shares from the handle or my handle or both. Uh, shameless self-promotion. All right, thanks, guys. Sorry for the long breakdown. It was a big fucking card, so hopefully uh, you got through this okay. And uh, enjoy your weekend. Good luck on your picks and plays. And always protect your name.